Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, June 13th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing pretty well. Uh, I'm feeling a bit more traditionally on the work clock than normal. Somehow had both Saturday and Sunday off for a proper weekend. And again, working four days straight. And then it's off to the cottage this coming weekend. So just one day down, three to go. Uh, kind of locked into that mentality and maybe a nice. bit of tunnel vision with uh, all the other stuff. Um, got some laundry to fold and like I, I feel weird doing groceries knowing I'm about to spend a bunch on booze and burgers at the cottage so like yeah. try and clear out the fridge a little get through the work days and hopefully this pile of laundry I'm looking at is folded before I leave uh how are you doing you had a weekend in Ohio playing frisbee at the chicken go on poultry days poultry days uh, yeah the 40th anniversary of this tournament taking place in little old Versailles, Ohio, home of Confederacy uh, flags and lots uh, and lots of chicken. <laughs> that's why it's Versailles, not Versailles. Yep. Yep. Versailles. If we're being mm-hmm. uh, phonetically inclined <laughs> to our American friends there. Um, yes. Poultry days. I saw so much chicken consumed. I saw even more alcohol consumed, um, camped out. At the fields both nights, got a lot of rain both nights, Eey. a damp, a damp weekend, but uh, couldn't dampen the spirits. Lots and lots of fun. Um, about 50 teams in the tournament, two of which were the representatives to the World Games from Team Canada and Team USA. So got to watch their showcase game um, at the town's local football field, home of the Versailles Tigers. Uh, there's Tilt-A-Whirl, there was uh funnel cake it was just your classic rural american uh festival and really really fun experience had an awesome time and uh really great my first tournament in three years now but always great to play against a ton of people that you had never played against before gets a little bit tiresome and repetitive playing the same teams over and over uh so really cool to play i think we hung out with teams from kentucky uh from louisville uh, from Ohio, Michigan, uh, teams came from Massachusetts. There was a team that came from Atlanta, just all over the place. Uh, Minnesota as well. I think we played a team from there. Really, really cool. Really fun. Uh, we managed to hand out quite a bit of Canadian club whiskey and maple syrup as a chase. People really enjoyed that. Um, a lot of feedback from the Smarties as well that I handed out Canadian Smarties, an elite product bring, to the American M&Ms, yes. Ooh, I, I do prefer M&Ms. Did you bring all, all dress chips? We didn't. The ketchup uh. chips and the all dress chips, they were a suggestion, but uh, in the end, we we stuck to the we stuck to the classics there, especially the organic maple syrup. That went down quite yeah. well uh, with our American counterparts, yes. <laughs> Did you notice the cultural differences or are Frisbro's the same everywhere? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same everywhere. I got to say though, our team definitely won the dance floor, uh, on Saturday night, glow sticks everywhere, glow in the dark party. Um, there was this amphitheater, so rain all around us, but everyone was dry inside and 
yeah, uh, really, really awesome time. And that's what, that's what sports are all about is you have that competition, but you get that camaraderie with your team and you have a ton of fun. And I also had KFC for the first time ever in my life to finish off the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. A week and full of chicken, uh, which means we have very little sports to bring to the table on this podcast. We'll, we'll have some light discussion here on the NBA finals, which is knotted up at two apiece, something I didn't find out until I got home on Sunday (laughs) and then, uh, and then talk about the NHL finals as well which is getting underway this week. And then a little bit of tennis talk might be a color, a couple of other things thrown in there, but uh, Max, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about before we jump into sports. Um, oh, yeah. Where, I, I, where, where is the cottage? Oh, it's, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to Kingston and then I get in a car and get driven somewhere. Nice. Uh, nice. I was going to say Saturday, one of my good friends um, tried alcohol, like for the first time, really, like, I think she had like eight or nine drinks and had never had more than that. So it wasn't like plastered or anything. And (laughs) I meant to stay a bit more sober than I did to like properly observe. And I think me and someone else ended up like way more out of it and didn't really track the evening as well as we meant to (laughs) um it it did put me in an interesting headspace like we were all kind of trying to explain it like no it's good like you want to be drunk like it's fun because (laughs) and then all having to take a second look and think hard about it like you know you know something's true but you don't know why it's true um yeah, there wasn't really an explanation, and I don't think it will be a repeated event. But um, <laughs> I think my favorite quote was uh, it, it always really weirds me out when like drunk people start talking because their face gets really close to mine. And I feel like they're about to try and make out with me or something, even though they never do. But uh, this is all my friends speaking. But Saturday, like we were standing outside the club, like waiting, and um, I noticed sam person's face close to me i was like yes this is the right distance um (laughs) everyone has a a tendency when they are intoxicated right everyone has that kind of alternate personality that slight thing that they do that only comes out when they've had a couple of beverages so it's always fascinating to study that um I'm not a sociologist by any means, but I always find that fascinating and pick up on it. And it's always much more fun to point it out when everyone is uh, inebriated. Uh, you yes. get some good laughs. Yeah. And even once it's been pointed out, the person in question can't stop the habit no. in question. No. No. Um, apparently, the first couple of times I had like grew a Scottish accent, it was the worst. <laughs> like, I, I thought people were messing with me till I like talked to people who didn't talk to each other to confirm it. And they're like, yeah. And then it just stopped. Uh, I never mm. knew what that was about. I, I think mine is just I start speaking a lot slower because yep. I usually am pretty precise with what I want to say. And I still want to be just as precise, but like my brain can't <laughs> it function. It doesn't move as quick. <laughs> so I just speak really slowly, but roughly say the same things. Um, I also did get told someone would spot me for a handstand, have them not spot me. My legs went over my head. I had to like catch myself. So uh, back's been tweaking a little. Oh man. Yeah. We were, we were comparing finger injuries before the pod here. I, I mangled mine pretty bad over the weekend, but uh, I don't know, Max, if you've ever had 
It's the second skin that I was given by a friend. Um, it smells like nail polish. You apply it to your cut. And now I've got like this protective layer of, it feels almost like plastic, right? but it, it, it feels like skin and it, and it like my fingers healing up quite quickly now. And it's huh. really interesting. So definitely recommend that if you are someone who slices your hand on occasion. Damn that I could actually use that on the job. There you go. No free ads. So we won't give the brand name, but go out and get some second skin <laughs> sponsor of today's pod. Right. That was a pretty good preamble by our standards, but um, I'm good to get into the short and sweet of the sports. Uh, kicking off with some basketball. We've had two games since our last pod. The series tied 2-2. Um, so just when it seemed like, okay, Boston gets their turnovers temporarily under control. 2-1, they've got another game at home to really like get this series in their grips. And uh, Steph Curry with a in a career that, I, I guess at 34, um, He's done most of what there is to do, like cemented Hall of Flame, Fame player. Uh, but this game four feels special, even in a career as special as Steph Curry's had. Um, yeah, definitely a, a top three performance, top five performance of his career, just in terms of how badly he's needed in this series compared to teams of past uh, compared to Golden State teams of past, uh, the fact that they're down 2-1 in a series uh, to a, honestly, a superior talent, team talent-wise at this point, just objectively looking at the two sides, feels like Boston is the better team, but Steph is the best player in this series. And to put up 43-10 and 10, uh, and just make some ridiculous shots, just watching the highlights is is super, super special. And only the top players, the special players, the great players have performances like this. Um, Jason Tatum had his against Milwaukee in, in that game six and, and had a couple great moments as well in the Miami series. And now Boston is sitting on the other side of just another incredible player that they have to get through. And it says a lot about what Steph's been able to do. Clay Thompson, um, starting to look better. The fact that he played 41 minutes in this game is really encouraging for Warriors fan that he has the durability to go deeper into this game and still be impactful. You're looking for Draymond to give them a little bit more than what he's been giving them. Uh, the game three was a real stinker for him, but going to need his best effort uh, on the defensive end as things get tighter. And I mean, you look at Boston, 7-0, and in games after they've lost in the playoffs. This one is tracking right along with their other series, uh, game seven against Milwaukee, game seven against Miami. And they're set up to go back and forth now with this Warriors team. Yeah, it, it doesn't, in a series where both teams have taken a win on the other team's home court, it doesn't feel like there's, and the fact that um, Boston has been able to win on the road against Milwaukee, win on the road against Miami. I, I think the Warriors team also haven't lost a game yet after uh, losing. Like they haven't lost back-to-back -back in these playoffs either. 
it, it does almost feel like seven games is too short to decide definitively who's the better team. These teams are going punch for punch, and it's going to be a question of who's able to step up more in the biggest moment rather than who can definitively bury the other team. Uh, one last note I wanted to touch on. I, there was a somewhat controversial-ish athletic article. I don't know if you heard about it, looking at Boston's run. And the gist of the article was basically teams in recent times have not won rings with their star player playing as poorly as Tatum has been playing. And that's the somewhat controversial part. I wasn't sure if this made it into any of your podcast worlds. Um, and like Jason Tatum has been an excellent defender. He's found ways to contribute with the playmaking when the scoring touch hasn't been quite there. But the point was essentially when your best player's field goal percentage is as low as Tatum's, you typically do not win an NBA championship. And that's been the trend for I'm not sure how long. Uh, and the argument was the way the Celtics have flipped the script is getting a bunch of elite switchable defensive wing players to really limit the other team's offense and thus they don't need that scoring touch I, I guess I can't get your thoughts in depth on this since you're being presented for it first try but I'll take your first take yeah it's an interesting concept that uh, you put forth with Tatum just overall he has been amazing right by the end of this season we're gonna have him in that top 10 possibly top five group of players, right? He made all NBA first team. So he's in that conversation. And while people can say he's playing poorly, you're comparing it against a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant, yeah. a LeBron James, a Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, Kobe, Shaq, Jordan, all these great, great players, right? And these great runs. And you take all those guys and really the only one who's – the only two who have replicated what Tatum's doing at the age of 24 is Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, which I heard, and this is, I heard this on the Bill Simmons podcast today, but he made a great point. Um, the great teams that win in this league are players who have been through it. And Boston has benefited from a lot of early playoff exposure to Tatum and Brown. So it feels like, this is Tatum's coming out party at the age of 24, but he is still so early in his development curve, which is what has made it so impressive. So yes, he could be playing poorly. He could have a low shooting percentage. He's had a lot more great games than bad games so far in these playoffs. And I think at 24, you'd take everything that's coming from this guy right now, because he's only going to come back better next year and the year after and the year after as he enters his prime. So um, it's valid that, that maybe Boston shouldn't be close to a championship with their best player playing poorly. But like I said, they, you look on paper, they might've been the best team overall in this playoffs talent wise. And it feels a little bit like that Raptors team. Of course they had Kawhi who was the best player in the playoffs, but every, every other guy two through seven on that team could create something or impact the game at a higher level than a typical role player. And that is what this Boston Celtics team has they are going to win this series on the back of their defense as a team. They need to dial in on Steph Curry and rotate and, and keep guys in front of them. And they weren't able to do that in game four, but 
that's the adjustment they have to make and come back in game five. And I still think that they, I would have them favored, even though I pick Golden State in the series, I'd have Boston favored to win this series just simply because of the fact that they, they don't lose two in a row. They make the adjustment and objectively they're the more talented team. So really fascinating topic. I think age plays a big piece of it. Um, and I think they still have a shot to win. Yeah, sorry, my uh, I automatically block out any Bill Simmons Boston take there, so I'm not sure <laughs> what you said, but I'm sure it was somewhat reasonable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I think I the relevant part was more. Here's what the Celtics are doing that other teams haven't been able to do, more than like focusing on Tatum's play. That was kind of the intro, not really the meat of the focus. Uh, it's interesting you bring up the Raptors, though, because in the discussion of that article, I saw a lot of people arguing it. I think that the Raptors and Nick Nurse actually brought this prototype with the type of roster, the style of play they had. Um, interesting, both are seeing it tested against the Warriors. And uh, <laughs> welcome to the Celtics bandwagon. Yep. Three years ago today was uh, the, the Clay Thompson injury in, in wow. game four, I believe, or game six. Was it was it when they won? I can't even remember anymore. Yeah, it's I think actually it was I think this was the day that the Raptors won the NBA championship. But um yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The the pandemic really has made it feel a lot longer ago than when it actually was. No kidding. And the one other thing I wanted to touch on is uh you said the Celtics having the best roster going into this playoffs. One thing I think we're going to hear endlessly about after, especially if the Celtics win, is if only Middleton wasn't injured. But yep, yep, you definitely make the argument that Milwaukee's roster was right there as well. All right, you got some draft notes. Yeah, we'll 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 dive deeper into the draft because it's coming up quickly right after the NBA Finals here. Um, but as of right now, things holding strong at the top three. Um, Houston getting some buzz as, as the team in the best spot, but them and OKC have been awfully quiet in terms of rumors about who they'll be taking. Uh, and then, of course, it's that Chet, Jabari, and Paolo, uh, top three there. All three of those guys, very, very likely to go. And then the draft really becomes interesting at four with Sacramento. And Jaden Ivey's been mentioned. Canadian Shaden Sharp has been mentioned, but has been catching some heat from uh, – older analysts in the NBA community as he did not play a year of college basketball um, kind of just took a year off in that sense, never actually played. And they're saying he's, he's no James Wiseman who looked a little bit overwhelmed in his first season. So fascinating to see. Uh, I think Sharp has the potential to go the highest out of like that that group of four onwards but also has the potential to go the lowest out of that group of four onwards he's just very very volatile draft stock and i look forward to diving deeper into him as we get closer to the draft as as a canadian and then we also cannot forget benedict matherin from montreal um he had a great tournament and uh, i think we'll see him in the late lottery as well so looking forward to diving in on his profile as well that does it for basketball in this one. Uh, sorry, I'm still feeling it from the weekend here as we move into talking hockey. 
and the NHL finals have arrived. I can't remember. I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up now. Um, I think I had at least one of these teams in the finals back at the very beginning of the season, but it's not, it's, it probably wasn't a super unpopular finals pick. No. Um, let me just take a quick look here as I pull it up, but yeah, Tampa Bay, of course, going for the unprecedented three-peat in the salary cap era, um, will probably make them the greatest team of all time, in my opinion, the greatest run. I know there have been many other great teams that have won more championships, but to do it with the constraints and the physical toll that the modern game requires, uh, I just think it's super, super impressive. But they are absolutely in tough against a wagon of a Colorado team that is fresh. They have only they have swept two of their series uh, and gone to six games in the other, so much fresher and. If they have Kadri, that's huge. But either way, teams, you, you kind of got either no Kadri or a 50% Braden point and everyone battling injuries. Uh, I think it's going to come down and, and be very similar to the Leafs Lightning series where the Lightning have the better goaltending and probably the better experience and system. But the top, top tier talent of the Avalanche will be able to make a dent. And they have to raise the variance of this series and play with a lot of speed and, and, and keep Tampa from gaining a, an edge. It just feels like Tampa kind of, it's like a taskmaster in, in Marvel comics where he learns your moves and then has them all memorized. And the deeper things go, the more of an advantage they have. And Tampa is really, really good at that. So Colorado is going to have to continue to shift there strategies on both ends of the ice and uh i think they have a really good shot but they're gonna need the goaltending and they're gonna need nathan mckinnon to be his best self that's where i was gonna go with this uh just the way tampa seems to bide its time and then once it figures it out and they make their move they just flow it took them five games against the leafs it took them one period against the Panthers and it took them two games against the Rangers. But once they got into their zone, their game going, uh, they just haven't looked back in each of those series. Another terrifying note, Andre Vasilevsky is posting a 0. 0.033 goals against average in the closeout games so far. Uh, one or er, 0.66, I think one goal against the Leafs allowed, none against the Panthers and one against the Rangers in each of the respective closeout games. As for the series, I, I don't think there needs to be much of a hype job done from us. You could very easily have made the case at the start of the season that these were the best two teams in their respective conferences. The way these playoffs have unfolded have more or less confirmed that. Um, yeah, I, I think looking at where these teams are now, it's very possible that the Colorado Avalanche are around where the Tampa Bay Lightning were in 2015. Uh, a team that had to take its licks, roll in the dirt, did an excellent job drafting, uh, slowly through free agency, has acquired the right pieces, gotten the playoff experience, and now they're on the cusp. Um, if it's not this year for them, it still doesn't feel like they're going anywhere, whereas this does feel you can only do it for so long. Um, 
with the age of most of those lightning players it's hard to and like you can see the decline now even as they've made it to the playoffs this isn't the juggernaut behemoth they were last year um so it really does feel a little bit like the present versus the future right now um dynastic status on the line uh, I, I am picking the lightning i, I just think the, they will bring things that the Avalanche haven't really had to see. Um, in terms of playoff experience, their only tough series coming against the only team with real playoff experience in the Blues, whereas the Oilers and the current Predators roster weren't really able to bring those things that the Blues brought. And I think the Lightning will have that um, in spades. And then I... I still just look back at last year's series against the Golden Knights where um, just the mistakes, the franticness, the hyper offense of the Avalanche um, gave the Golden Knights their way in. And I think that's what's brought them to the dance party, but that'll be there for the Lightning to exploit. And uh, this team can play sloppy the first half of the series but hang in there just enough and then they really lock in defensively and nowhere left to go from there um also it's just better if the leafs lost to the champions so for all those reasons i'm picking the tampa bay lightning i think you've i think you've swayed me i uh really wanted to pick colorado but again you cannot count out this lightning team we talked about it on the last podcast about their invincibility as a team and they're going to learn you. And the deeper this series gets, they're going to just find a way to, to win games. This Rangers team had them by the throat in game three and they wiggled out of it and turned it around and won four in a row. And they just, they figure you out and with no Kadri, that's going to be huge for Colorado when they don't have him because he's going to give them a ton of life. And Colorado's defense, however special, um, Sam Gerrard is a big piece to miss. And I think this Tampa team is going to punish some of those smaller guys in the corners. Uh, Bowen Byram is going to have to play a ton of minutes and be important. Uh, and this is a big stage for him to go up against a, a wicked third line that Tampa has of Nick Paul, Corey Perry, uh, and, and Ross Colton. And then as well, that, that first line, Stamkos and Kucherov and Palat, uh, they're just, they're so hard to contain. And the goaltending advantage in the end is something you got to side with as well. And Vasilevsky had that moment, has had a couple shaky moments, but overall already a Hall of Famer and has been the best goalie in the league now for three years in a row uh, and, and may have a third Stanley cup to add to his trophy case, which is simply remarkable. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I can see Tampa going into Colorado. There are not many teams that can do it, but Tampa is one that just add high altitude to the checklist as something they're going to overcome. And I can see them doing it in seven games. So we're going, we, we haven't been the same so much on this pod in the last couple of series picks, but we are going to be the same here with Tampa Bay. There you go. Uh, all right. 
we'll move quickly into tennis then. Wow, we still haven't even hit the last 10 minute mark. So can take our time here. Uh, two 250 tournaments wrapping up for the grass season. So really, if you think of it in phases, phase one done, phase two going, of course, the final phase being Wimbledon. Grass season lasts about a month. We're a third into it in terms of tournament counts, a quarter into it in terms of week count. So two winners to congratulate. First off, Matteo Berrettini, who seems to have just taken the whole clay season off. I kind of thought he was injured just because I did not hear his name. After he put up a great match last year uh, at the French against Djokovic, um, maybe he felt like that took a toll on him and uh, he was just a little more burnt out than he'd have liked to be in that finals match against Djokovic at Wimbledon on grass for sure the most favored surface for the big hitting bigger serving Italian who looked in proper form this week at Stuttgart he takes out Andy Murray in the finals um also, congratulations to Andy Murray. Uh, he had his first win over a top 10 opponent in a long, long time. This past week, he jumps back into the top 50 rankings where he hasn't been with his finals appearance. Uh, fighting some injury there, he probably should have retired earlier. You, you just hope to see him in good shape at Wimbledon and are happy to see the legends keep going. Um, but the big congratulations this week oh, goes to Tim Van Richoven in Libema, a wild card who runs through the competition, taking out Felix, taking out Daniel Medvedev, uh, a real Cinderella story, um, not a ton to dwell on on this story or details to go into, but we've definitely got to take a moment and just shout out the Dutchman. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's from the Netherlands. Um, you don't see that very often in the world of tennis, especially without a couple of other dark horses taking yeah. out the top seeds. And then you it's dark horse versus dark horse in the finals. But taking out the world number two who had made it to the finals, no small ask. And um, he completes the Cinderella run. So one more time, congratulations to Tim Van Richoven definitely a name that i will keep in my head for the next three weeks on this grass season that is awesome and up there with some pretty improbable runs so congrats to him that's awesome totally so those are the two 250 grass tournaments this week we've got the two 500 level grass tournaments uh halle in germany and cinch also known as the queen's club in the uk so starting out in Germany, our boy Felix Auger-Aliassime competing. I'm pretty sure he had a finals run last year, took out Federer on the way, hoping to see big things from him with his competition. He's going to have the aforementioned Daniel Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas also competing. Andre Rublev was also in, but he got taken out in the first round. The first day has concluded for both tournaments. Not everyone's played yet, though. None of the players I just listed have played. And then in Cinch, we've got Matteo Berrettini looking to add another grass title to his collection. He's actually not the top seed in this tournament. That belongs to Casper Rudd, who has added a bunch of points to his name and reached a career high world number five after the clay season. Um, 
clay and grass, the two most different surfaces. So he is the number one seed in this tournament, but hard to go with him as the favorite. Uh, just the, the defensive style of tennis doesn't hold up as well on grass. Uh, we've also got Cam Norrie, Taylor Fritz. No, I think Taylor Fritz lost to Jack Draper already. Marin Silich and our boy Denis Shapovalov, who really hoping to see um, a big performance on grass before Wimbledon. Uh, Shapo been kind of slowly, quietly slipping down the rankings. I'm pretty disappointed after that first round French exit. Uh, he did play in, I think it was Libama, not Stuttgart. Um, so yeah, eyes on Chapo for sure. And I, I don't know when our next podcast will be, knowing I'll be at the cottage this coming weekend, but we'll have the results from that whenever that goes on. Oh, what, awesome. anything else you got? Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about some, uh, some Canadian content here. First off, golf. When is the last time we talked about golf on this podcast? Lord knows. Maybe never, but we talked about the big one, the green jacket. Ah, the masters. Yes, yes, yes of course. Always a good time. Um, golf has a new competitor and entrant into the sport. Uh, the live live tour, live tour, uh, Roman numeral for 45, 44. Is this Quick the Saudi master, Arabian 49? thing? Yes taken a bunch of players over from the PGA who are now suspended from the tour, paid them a ton of money. This is like, gosh, I don't know, the Swedish league coming in, offering an absurd amount of money and stealing all of the NHL's top talent. Like just unprecedented stuff in the world of golf. Um, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, a massive name that moved over. To, to the Saudi Arabian uh, League. And they had their first tournament this weekend, uh, the largest prize in golf history, nearly $5 million taken home by the winner, Schwartzel. Uh, and, and the PGA had its best uh, response. Roy McElroy winning the Canadian Open. That's our Canadian connection there. Um, winning the Canadian Open, it's his first tournament win in a long time. And when Rory is going... The crowd always gets buzzing because he is a fan favorite. So a pretty important week for the PGA tour to have a significant headline because a lot of fans were tuning in for the, the live tour and uh, it, it got off to a very hot start just in terms of spectatorship and um, drawn a lot of storylines for the wealth that it is generating for the athletes. Yeah. Hard not to talk about this one without getting political and you know, we don't like to do that here. So I will keep my lips sealed. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, other bit of Canadian content. We do have the Canadian Grand Prix coming up in Montreal uh, this yes. upcoming weekend. You will hear that loud and clear in, oh, you will not. Perfect time uh, to go still, to the cottage. I still might hear it loud and clear all the way from down there. Possible, possible. Um, a rough weekend for Ferrari last weekend with a double DNF. But looking to come back here uh, and, and make some noise in Montreal and looking forward to tuning in for that one. And on that note, we are done. We made it through a uh, couple of big weekends for the fellas, but they were able to rally and get through a Monday pod. 
Love it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoy game five of the finals tonight. I know I certainly will be. And, uh, yeah, love you all and, and keep listening. We'll, we'll talk to you uh, the next time we record. It might be a solo pod for me on Friday. Wow. Ioana uh, Janjacek, forever, my girl. Congratulations on a fantastic UFC career. Hoping to put out a legacy video sometime in the near future, but wanted to do it justice and didn't quite have the prep ready for that. On that note, Sports Next Door signing out.